Welcome to the Hindus in Focus podcast. I'm Zubeda Hamid and I'm your host for today's episode. This episode is part of our expert view series on COVID-19, but actually takes a detailed look at the aspects of our healthcare system that we are not talking about while all of our resources are directed towards battling the pandemic. There are issues like the immunization of children, antenatal care of pregnant women, treatment of chronic illnesses and infectious diseases other than COVID-19 that still require urgent attention and the concern is that many of these may suffer as the healthcare system is burdened by coronavirus to discuss this with me today i have dr rajib dasgupta professor of community health at jawaharlal nehru university dr rajib dasgupta uh, since the lockdown began on march 23rd the public health system has been entirely mobilized to battle the coronavirus pandemic Initial reports suggest that this has already impacted vaccination schedules for thousands of children. What do you think will be the medium and long-term effects of this on India's public health? And do we have the state capacity to trace every child who has missed a vaccination and remedy the situation? Uh, the context, the overall context that we need to take into account is that India's lockdown is one of the toughest in the world, uh, particularly given. the restrictions to travel uh given the restrictions that whether you will be able to reach let's say a district hospital for a if you are a patient in a rural setting it's also the case that all states have geared up to tackle the covid situation and therefore as you rightly point out the frontline health workers particularly anms ashas and such cadres uh, across all states have are engaged in the covid-19 activities and therefore that has a bearing on uh, primary health care including immunization uh, which is the beginning of a talking point what's certainly emanating from other countries which have better uh, data systems uh, is that immunization doses the routine immunization doses are being missed uh, pediatric consultations are being missed in countries where there's a more clinic setting to pediatric care and that's equally true of our country where there's already evidence coming from uh, grassroots organizations that children are missing their doses particularly because ashas and anms are engaged in covid activity Uh, there is also now statements coming in from the vaccine industry that many countries and this is not just india are actually not being able to procure vaccines because of disruption in the global supply chains and vaccines is something which is uh, extremely sensitive to disruptions in supply chains including cold chains uh, and vaccine movement depends on multiple modes of transport including air road and finally the frontline links so everything put together the concern for missed immunization is being flagged by agencies such as the unicef it is also the case that the ongoing measles rubella campaign have been disrupted uh, ongoing campaigns in the south asian context has been put on hold in bangladesh and nepal so there is various estimates of how many millions of children are going to miss vaccination uh, particularly in the least developed countries but for india it becomes doubly relevant 
because India has the largest uh, cohort of children in this age group. So, Doctor, um, the WHO has clearly said that uh, essential health services such as immunizations uh, should be carried on uh, despite the ongoing situation. If if this does not take place, then what happens uh, to our public health uh, in the medium term and in the long term? What we know from other disruptions, though no disruption has been of this scale and magnitude, and particularly given the fact that there is an uncertainty about the duration of the disruption, uh, is that uh, unimmunized pools of children accumulate and therefore those subgroups or subpopulations of children are susceptible to outbreaks of the vaccine preventable diseases. So what the measles rubella campaign uh, authorities are really concerned about is that it's quite possible that measles pertussis, uh, such outbreaks may happen. And the issue is that those diseases have far higher mortality rates in children than COVID itself. So therefore, the effort in many countries is to actually organize mobile services for pediatric care, is actually to give the message that do not miss a session with your pediatrician or a session for the immunization. But the bind we are somewhat caught into is the extent to which frontline health workers are actually engaged in frontline COVID activities. And the most recent list of red districts, which is in the last 24 hours, is a fairly long list across states. The other important issue of concern is that by official data, while there has been some decline in the number of red districts, the number of yellow districts, which is the yellow orange, which is the intermediate category, is gone up, which means that there is more spread than, let's say, the past few weeks, which is to be expected. But that also means that even in those districts which were relatively less affected, frontline health workers are indeed going to be drawn into this. And therefore, uh, if you see uh, the challenges, in particular in some of these red districts, in the context of children, since we are talking of children, if you take, for example, a district like Sedarang in Assam, which in the last round had a full immunization coverage of around 40%, and now that Darang is in the red list, there is going to be a lot more disruption uh, foreseeably. Uh, and this is equally true if you take a far more uh, socioeconomically well-endowed districts such as Bhopal, which had 62% full immunization coverage, but Bhopal, for example, is grappling with a very, very severe extent of uh, COVID spread. Uh, and it's, it's equally uncertain whether you're looking at Bhopal as a district or Darang as a district. So the challenge is immense, certainly in the medium term. Long term, we will have to, I wouldn't hazard a guess because we'll have to see how long COVID itself gets drawn out. And secondly, uh, how best states are able to recalibrate uh, their efforts back into the routine health services. Right. Uh, doctor, talking about um, the health of children 
an extended lockdown like the one we are experiencing right now uh, and it looks like right now that uh, not all restrictions will be lifted this has a direct direct impact on the food security of the rural poor and families that depend on the remittances of their migrant members we already have a huge problem of malnutrition in india how is this going to impact the health of children below the age of 5 below the age of 5 the two indicators that are fairly sensitive and fairly reliable indicators that we have uh, are breastfeeding indicators which over the last few years have actually shown an appreciable increase and one may reasonably expect that breastfeeding indicators would not get too affected by this right. uh, however malnutrition starts setting in uh, roughly 6 to 9 month onwards roughly let's say between the ages of 1 and 3 and that in the indian context uh, there is huge uh, dietary deficiency uh, in this in this uh, age group i was giving you the example of darang of the full immunization coverage the minimum uh, adequately diverse diet in darang is actually 1% for which more or less the average of indian districts is nearly 10, 9 to 10% which is actually an emergency of sorts now this is the national family health survey for a few a couple of years back when things were actually far more stable and the economy was actually far 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 better than what it's going to be not just in the medium term but certainly in the long term if you take the various uh, industry economy etc forecasts into account so this is one area which is really of concern not just in medium term but in long term some amount of catch up immunization is actually possible and i'm sure states will gear up very soon to that or at least most states will be able to accept for maybe the very uh, badly affected red, red districts but this disruption uh, is very crucial because uh, much of this uh, malnutrition could actually be irreversible particularly if it gets long drawn doctor um vaccinations and immunizations are one of the services that have been disrupted but there are others such as treatment for other infectious as well as non communicable diseases that have been affected due to due to the lockdown and the restrictions and services what does this mean for india's fight against diseases like tuberculosis which rests on the dots or the directly observed treatment short course model and other diseases such as cancer will our past gains be significantly impacted there is already uh, considerable attention on this issue whether it's any any form of chronic care whether it's an infectious disease such as uh, tb whether it's an infectious condition such as hiv or non communicable diseases and so on again to go back to what we started with is that the immense restrictions on transport which is unprecedented at this scale of population has been an important issue in some of these disruptions but even in countries where such large scale transport has not really been uh, withheld there are worrying declines in in emergency room uh, attendance there are worrying declines in the number of stroke patients who are not coming there are worrying declines in the number of cardiac emergency conditions that are not coming so the decline in emergency room attendance has fallen in countries with much better records uh, such as uh, europe uk and usa to anything down to half 
or one third at best, uh, which means roughly two things. One, that what's called the golden hour of intervention, which is really early intervention and life saving often, uh, that's an advantage that's possibly being lost, whether it's chronic conditions, whether it's antenatal care, whether it's obstetric emergencies, there are um, reductions. And I think what's what's very important is is, is, is a very recent uh, Lancet editorial on, on cancer treatment in general across the world. Uh, they actually went on to say that uh, COVID-19 has had a huge and negative effect on cancer treatment and research. And this is equally true of many other conditions, uh, particularly chronic conditions, whether it's non-communicable or communicable. Uh, the issue, therefore, is that we may not see immediate mortalities, but disruptions in treatment of TB, HIV, and so on could lead to emergence of more drug resistance, could lead to earlier mortality, or at the very least, more complications. Right. Doctor, there is a wide discrepancy between the health indicators of states in our country. Uh, broadly speaking, a few of the southern states perform better in health indicators than some of the northern ones. Whether, it, whether it's infant mortality rate or maternal health or the availability of public hospital beds. There are differences in terms of order and of magnitude. COVID-19 cases are rising in some of these states that have poor public health setups. Are these states capable of dealing with the dramatic rise in the number of cases? Even states with relatively better uh, public health infrastructure, such as Maharashtra and Gujarat, are witnessing really dramatic rise in COVID-19 yes. cases. Uh, the, the experience globally is that with very, very sharp rise in uh, COVID-19 cases, a significant proportion of the healthcare workforce is also uh, going to be affected. Anything up to 20% of your health workforce may not be available at any given time because of their own illnesses. Uh, that's, of course, more relevant to clinical setting, but it would have a bearing on hospital care or clinical care in general. The frontline activities such as immunization could actually, uh, I believe, uh, could actually possibly rebound back to near normal activities, perhaps, uh, in, a, in a relatively short time now, particularly if the transport restrictions are eased, uh, if supply logistics can move, if vaccines can move and so on. Let us not discount the importance of transport in moving supply chains and logistics because healthcare is extremely uh, supply chain dependent. Uh, however, as far as clinical care goes, particularly in districts with uh, which are relatively less well endowed in terms of infrastructure or in even human resources, are going to face serious challenges, particularly the red districts. Uh, and we do not know how long drawn some of these red districts can get into, particularly those with uh, those which are more urban, peri-urban, or have dense populations, as some of the districts in UP. A large number of districts in UP are in red. A large number of the, uh, a fair number of the large population districts in Madhya Pradesh are in the red uh, list. So. So these are the districts actually to watch out for. This won't affect the country uniformly in a sense, but some districts, as you rightly say, are going to face far greater challenges. So 
actually there's a there's a sort of silver lining in this now that we are in the disaster management mode some states which have which are very well disaster management uh, drills and experience for example andhra pradesh for example odisha there is a practice of actually moving uh, workforce from the western districts to the coastal districts in case of cyclone and so on so some of those uh, innovations or interventions or changes will have to come in particularly where it's going to get long drawn right so do you uh, foresee a difference uh, doctor in terms of the states that are somewhat better equipped in terms of public health resources being able to tackle the crisis better than the others i am actually going a bit beyond that to say that districts which are better placed will have to support districts or even state uh, one state to another particularly across the border districts of those which have greater challenges uh, this is what this is what what new york did for example new york actually moved the non covid patients from downstate to upstate so so these are the kind of changes that uh, states or even districts within states will have to work out but none of this is going to happen if you have extremely rigid uh restrictions uh restrictions have to be reasonable restrictions have to be flexible and restrictions will have to respond to uh, the more immediate uh, needs on the ground it's it's well known that each each state has its own uh, political culture as as all states do across the world so uh, some of those states which are adjacent to each other may really have to learn to work together to handle some of these uh, very tricky issues right by support doctor you mean uh, providing experts providing hospital beds the, the biggest challenge that health services face in general are with human resources and with supply logistics hospital capacities actually have fairly fairly improved through nearly a decade and a half of the national health mission the national rural health mission so actually hospital capacities are our clinical capacities are not so much the challenge but as as covid pressures increase and as accumulated untreated or unattended cases of other diseases grow some of these uh, quick thinking will have to take place whether it's across districts or in some cases across states but certainly across districts within a state because all states and as we know all sorry i mean all districts within a state are certainly not equally affected so those states which have this culture of moving supplies and human resources in disaster situations to other affected districts i suppose will do better in this and 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 there are there are lessons to learn from those states further states right uh, taking off from there doctor could you uh, talk to us a little bit about how the public health system works and what our what the roadmap should be in the coming months to address the shortfalls um, ranging from everything from immunizations uh, to treatment of chronic illnesses to treatment of non communicable diseases to what extent uh, are the services and programs impacted and what can we do what roadmap can we chart uh, to ensure that the shortfalls are met one of the most immediate challenges would actually be putting back the supply chain uh, in place because the, the industrial production has been disrupted as we know uh, availability of human resources has certainly been disrupted as we know transport has been disrupted and therefore uh, 
putting these pieces back into some semblance of normalcy itself is going to take time. I do not have an idea of the extent to which existing stocks have been depleted in the various states or at district levels, but one can, it could work both ways. If you have less patients attending or less quote-unquote demand in that sense, so stocks may not have been depleted to a great degree, but then uh, if putting the supply chains back is going to take considerable time, then there are going to be shortages. As we know, there are shortages in the private uh, pharmacies or the, at the shop level where you have media reports of insulin shortage coming, uh, being reported, of other shortages being reported. Uh, one can reasonably expect that such, such shortages are far more widespread, not beyond just one or two shops or a few cities. Uh, so this, this, the supply chain is immensely complex. Uh, human resource situation is complex and human resources will have this double demand of catering both to COVID-19, not just clinical care, but contact tracing, following up surveillance, testing as testing is going to increase and testing is certainly going to increase quite appreciably as we hope and we foresee. So there's no dearth of COVID-related work as far as the uh, health human resources go. So uh, therefore, how exactly states and districts are going to reorganize human resources, not just clinical care, but even frontline uh, management of human resources. These are going to be very crucial systems level challenges. And each state or each district will be working out their own, uh, own, own solutions. But what's really going to be crucial is the extent of agency decentralization and autonomy. Talk to us uh, about that a little bit more, Doctor, when you say uh, decentralization. States as we know, sorry, districts as we know, have very different challenges. And therefore, each, each district will have to figure out uh, its own situational analysis. The, the states will have to, the state authorities will have to work very closely with the district authorities as to what is, uh, what is required. And, and we, as we have seen with the COVID situation, that a lot of it has certainly uh, happened. It's it's not that it's rocket science. Uh, many states uh, have have found models uh, or, or ways of doing it or ways of going around some of these obstacles. So I, I am quite sure this learning will go on. This learning will expand. States will learn from each other. But as you as you said very rightly, this dual challenge of uh, of both COVID, particularly in red districts or newly emerging hotspots, versus a whole lot of relatively unattended or untreated conditions, including a whole lot of elective surgeries that's been postponed, elective dental treatments that's being postponed. All that's going to uh, accumulate, and 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 it will bear upon a lot of pressure on the on the health system sooner than later. Uh, so that's that's going to be the real challenge. Also, the fact that now that you have Aishman Bharat uh, as a scheme, the, the extent to which the government will be able to work with or leverage the scheme vis-a-vis -vis the private sector, a lot of which have a lot of the routine uh, services having got disrupted. These are going to be the challenges in the next few months, if not even a year or so. Right. Thank you so much for speaking to us today, Doctor. Thank you. Pleasure.